Chapter Four of An Anonymous Story by Anton Chekhov, translated by Constance Garnett, eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Four. Three weeks after I entered Orloff's service, it was Sunday morning. I remember somebody rang the bell. It was not yet eleven, and Orloff was still asleep i went to open the door you can imagine my astonishment when i found a lady in a veil standing at the door on the landing is georgy ivanitch up she asked from her voice i recognized zinaida fyodorovna to whom i had taken letters in zanamensky street i don't remember whether i had time or self-possession to answer her i was taken aback at seeing her and indeed she did not need my answer in a flash she had darted by me and filling the hall with the fragrance of her perfume which i remember to this day she went on and her footsteps died away for at least half an hour afterwards i heard nothing but again someone rang this time it was a smartly dressed girl who looked like a maid in a wealthy family accompanied by our house porter both were out of breath carrying two trunks and a dress basket these are for zinaida fyodorovna said the girl and she went down without saying another word all this was mysterious and made polya who had a deep admiration for the pranks of her betters smile slyly to herself she looked as though she would like to say so that's what we're up to and she walked about the whole time on tiptoe at last we heard footsteps zinaida fyodorovna came quickly into the hall and seeing me at the door of my room said stepan take georgy ivanitch his things when i went into orloff with his clothes and his boots he was sitting on the bed with his feet on the bearskin rug there was an air of embarrassment about his whole figure he did not notice me and my menial opinion did not interest him he was evidently perturbed and embarrassed before himself before his inner eye he dressed washed and used his combs and brushes silently and deliberately as though allowing himself time to think over his position and to reflect and even from his back one could see he was troubled and dissatisfied with himself they drank coffee together zinaida fyodorovna poured out coffee for herself and for orloff then she put her elbows on the table and laughed i still can't believe it she said when one has been a long while on one's travels and reaches a hotel at last it's difficult to believe that one hasn't to go on it is pleasant to breathe freely with the expression of a child who very much wants to be mischievous she sighed with relief and laughed again you will excuse me said orloff nodding towards the coffee reading at breakfast is a habit i can't get over but i can do two things at once read and listen read away you shall keep your habits and your freedom but why do you look so solemn are you always like that in the morning or is it only to-day aren't you glad yes i am but i must own i am a little overwhelmed why you had plenty of time to prepare yourself for my descent upon you i've been threatening to come every day yes but i didn't expect you to carry out your threat to-day i didn't expect it myself but that's all the better it's all the better my dear it's best to have an aching tooth out and have done with it yes of course oh my dear she said closing her eyes all is well that ends well but before this happy ending what suffering there has been my laughing means nothing i am glad i am happy but i feel more like crying than laughing 
yesterday i had to fight a regular battle she went on in french god alone knows how wretched i was but i laugh because i can't believe in it i keep fancying that my sitting here drinking coffee with you is not real but a dream then still speaking french she described how she had broken with her husband the day before and her eyes were alternately full of tears and of laughter while she gazed with rapture at orloff she told him her husband had long suspected her but had avoided explanations they had frequent quarrels and usually at the most heated moment he would suddenly subside into silence and depart to his study for fear that in his exasperation he might give utterance to his suspicions or she might herself begin to speak openly and she had felt guilty worthless incapable of taking a bold and serious step and that had made her hate herself and her husband more every day and she had suffered the torments of hell but the day before when during a quarrel he had cried out in a tearful voice my god when will it end and had walked off to his study she had run after him like a cat after a mouse and preventing him from shutting the door she had cried that she hated him with her whole soul then he let her come into the study and she had told him everything had confessed that she loved some one else that that someone else was her real most lawful husband and that she thought it her true duty to go away to him that very day whatever might happen if she were to be shot for it there's a very romantic streak in you orloff interrupted keeping his eyes fixed on the newspaper she laughed and went on talking without touching her coffee her cheeks glowed and she was a little embarrassed by it and she looked in confusion at polya and me from what she went on to say i learnt that her husband had answered her with threats reproaches and finally tears and that it would have been more accurate to say that she and not he had been the attacking party yes my dear so long as i was worked up everything went all right she told orloff but as night came on my spirits sank you don't believe in god george but i do believe a little and i fear retribution god requires of us patience magnanimity self-sacrifice and here i am refusing to be patient and want to remodel my life to suit myself is that right what if from the point of view of god it's wrong at two o'clock in the night my husband came to me and said you dare not go away i'll fetch you back through the police and make a scandal and soon afterwards i saw him like a shadow at my door have mercy on me your elopement may injure me in the service those words had a coarse effect upon me and made me feel stiff all over i felt as though the retribution were beginning already i began crying and trembling with terror i felt as though the ceiling would fall upon me that i should be dragged off to the police station at once that you would grow cold to me all sorts of things in fact i thought i would go into a nunnery or become a nurse and give up all thought of happiness but then i remembered that you loved me and that i had no right to dispose of myself without your knowledge and everything in my mind was in a tangle i was in despair and did not know what to do or think but the sun rose and i grew happier as soon as it was morning i dashed off to you ah what i've been through dear one i haven't slept for two nights she was tired out and excited she was sleepy and at the same time she wanted to talk endlessly to laugh and to cry and to go to a restaurant to lunch that she might feel her freedom you have a cosy flat but i am afraid it may be small for the two of us she said walking rapidly through all the rooms when they had finished breakfast what room will you give me i like this one because it is next to your study 
at one o'clock she changed her dress in the room next to the study which from that time she called hers and she went off with orloff to lunch they dined too at a restaurant and spent the long interval between lunch and dinner in shopping till late at night i was opening the door to messengers and errand boys from the shops they bought among other things a splendid pier-glass a dressing-table a bedstead and a gorgeous tea-service which we did not need they bought a regular collection of copper saucepans which we set in a row on the shelf in our cold empty kitchen as we were unpacking the tea-service polya's eyes gleamed and she looked at me two or three times with hatred and fear that i not she would be the first to steal one of these charming cups a lady's writing-table very expensive and inconvenient came too it was evident that zinaida fyodorovna contemplated settling with us for good and meant to make the flat her home she came back with orloff between nine and ten full of proud consciousness that she had done something bold and out of the common passionately in love and as she imagined passionately loved exhausted looking forward to a sweet sound sleep zinaida fyodorovna was revelling in her new life she squeezed her hands together in the excess of her joy declared that everything was delightful and swore that she would love orloff forever and these vows and the naive almost childish confidence that she too was deeply loved and would be loved forever made her at least five years younger she talked charming nonsense and laughed at herself there's no other blessing greater than freedom she said forcing herself to say something serious and edifying how absurd it is when you think of it we attach no value to our own opinion even when it is wise but tremble before the opinion of all sorts of stupid people up to the last minute i was afraid of what other people would say but as soon as i followed my own instinct and made up my mind to go my own way my eyes were opened i overcame my silly fears and now i am happy and wish every one could be as happy but her thoughts immediately took another turn and she began talking of another flat of wallpapers horses a trip to switzerland and italy orloff was tired by the restaurants and the shops and was still suffering from the same uneasiness that i had noticed in the morning he smiled but more from politeness than pleasure and when she spoke of anything seriously he agreed ironically oh yes stepan make haste and find us a good cook she said to me there's no need to be in a hurry over the kitchen arrangements said orloff looking at me coldly we must first move into another flat we had never had cooking done at home nor kept horses because as he said he did not like disorder about him and only put up with having polya and me in his flat from necessity the so-called domestic hearth with its everyday joys and its petty cares offended his taste as vulgarity to be with child or to have children and talk about them was bad form like a petty bourgeois and i began to feel very curious to see how these two creatures would get on together in one flat she domestic and home-loving with her copper saucepans and her dreams of a good cook and horses and he fond of saying to his friends that a decent and orderly man's flat ought like a warship to have nothing in it superfluous no women no children no rags no kitchen utensils end of chapter four recording by expatriate in bangor maine